Welcome back to Army Matters, the not-so-newlywed game. I'm your host, Carrie Varjo-Heikis, and let's get back to finding out how much today's couples know about each other. Okay, let's start off this round with Venidra and General Smith. Venidra. What actor would play less in a film or TV series? Oh, good question. Uh, probably Will. Will Smith or Michael B. Jordan. Mmm, sookie sookie now. <laughs> I'd watch that film. Unless, who would play Venidra? Viola Davis, easy. Why Viola? Because she's tough. Aww. Yeah. That's why. I like her, though. And speaking of tough, let's test out our other contestants. The Elsons from Napa Valley. Colonel Elson, what is your wife Gina's favorite junk food? Wow. <clears throat> that has gone up and down from uh, cake icing to uh, cherry pie to um, it just it moves around. <laughs> so what is it right now? Oh, chocolate cream pie. Yes. We would not win the honeymoon show. <sighs> you said junk food, right? Fast food. Chocolate cream pie. Crunchy tacos from Taco Bell. Ooh. <laughs> That's my ultimate. Give me a crunchy taco and three hot sauces and I'm happy. Well, it isn't Taco Tuesday, but I'm already hungry just thinking about that. And back to you, General Smith. What does Venidra's go to? I was going to say, I saw him the other day. I don't know if she still likes them, but pork rinds. Those are so random that I eat yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. So random. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. What is your go-to junk food? Cheetos. Yeah. But we don't keep Cheetos in the house too much because I eat them up fast. I think it's obvious now that this isn't a clip from an actual game show, but rather a recreation of the classic newlywed game. The show was hugely successful in the 1970s, and yes, though very, very cheesy, could sometimes help open lines of dialogue for contestants, as well as those watching at home. Most of you listening already know the importance of a strong marriage for members of the Army, but in today's episode, we have two couples, both married for 30-plus years, talk about the ins and outs of family life in the Army. The two couples featured today are co-hosts General Leslie C. Smith and his wife, Venidra, along with Lieutenant Colonel Chris Elson and his wife, Gina, share their experiences, some tricks, and more importantly, provide some great advice for newly married couples just beginning their lives together in the military. I'm Carrie varo and this is the Not-So-Newlywed Game. <clears throat> This is Army Matters. Hey, Chris and Jenna, this is how we are every day. So, so don't, we, we're not strange people. This is how we operate. It sounds like a fun team. No, we, have a, we have a good team, very good team. <laughs> Definitely. Hello, everyone. I'm Lieutenant General Retired Leslie C. Smith, the Army former Inspector General. Today, I'm the Vice President for Leadership and Education at Association of the United States Army. 
But you know what? I have a great co-host that's here on the net with us today. It is my wife. We've been married for 35 years this summer in July. Vanija, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, yes, uh, I'm Vanidra. And as uh, my husband said, yeah, we've been married 35 years this summer. I currently work for a U.S. Ability One Commission. It's a small federal agency that advocates for blind and disabled people for jobs. So I work in the business development uh, department. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I don't know what it's going to cost me, but I'm willing to pay the price in order to, because uh, you're, you're such a fond of knowledge. Are you ready to share that with us today? I'm still thinking. You're still thinking? Yeah. So um, for our listening audience, how did we first meet? Yeah, we've been married for 34 years, but we've been together probably about 40. Yeah. Uh, you count dating, dating time and all of that. But we met in college. Uh, his fraternity was throwing a party at the student center. I wasn't going to the party because I was not a big partier, but I was going to get a late dinner. And that's how we met. That's part of the story. The other part was that another fraternity brother was more interested in her than I was, uh, but they had food. So I was like, hey, you got some food? You want to give some of that food to, to us? And she's like, sure. So he followed my roommate and I back to our room and we sat and talked and he kept telling me about his fraternity brother that was interested in me. But then I quickly surmised, you know, I don't think it's him. I think it's you. So. Yeah, it, it, it really was him. But but the rest <laughs> of the story is that we're very competitive and, you know, you got to work for what you got to get to. So we have some great guests today. We have Gina and Chris Elson. And I tell you what, these guys are what I call modern day superheroes because they're doing a lot of things, going a lot of places and, and making a lot of missions happen. So Chris, introduce yourself first and tell us where you're from and how long you've been in the Army. Fantastic, sir. Thank you. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Christopher Elson. I'm from uh, Napa Valley, California. And currently I'm in the 40th Infantry Division. And I also work for the California Military Department as a director of a National Guard Discovery Challenge Academy which is a very rewarding uh, occupation at this moment, sir. All right, Gina, how about you? Hello, my name is Gina Elson, the other half. I own and operate an interior design company in Los Altos, California. And I have a second company, if one's not enough, doing uh, gourmet kitchens. I am a big, big cook and chef. I was in hospitality for 10 years while working my way through college. And just love doing it. Yeah, that's that's great. So, Chris, give me a little bit more about your National Guard experience. So you've always been in the Guard. Tell me how that worked. Roger, sure. Uh, let's see. Started out as a private Elson in the 10th Mountain Division years and years ago. And after four years, uh, got out and went back to college, did ROTC at UC Santa Barbara. And then join the guard from there. So in the guard for a little over 25 years and have had numerous jobs as an officer from a platoon leader all the way up to just finishing battalion command at the 40th Infantry Division. Okay. About 13 years ago, I went to work for the state as well. And since then, that's where I was a public affairs officer, the J33, and um, currently a director at that National Guard Challenge Academy, sir. 
Okay. Great, great. So so I started off, and I, we haven't had a chance to talk about this, in the Georgia National Guard a long, long, long time ago, 1981. 1981, as a private, but I knew I was going to go uh, become an officer. So do you remember when we used to have the run-up brigades, Chris? I do. I do. Yeah. So our unit was uh, 24th Infantry Division was still active then. And so uh, the 40th Infantry Brigade was the roundout brigade for 24th Infantry. Oh, wow. So we did that at the same time. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. So I learned a lot uh, in that formation, which I think I've, I've taken to, uh, to my service on active duty, uh, ending up being the IG for the Army. So uh, I, I definitely can relate to some of the things that you had to go through. So, Jenna, tell me, how did you meet Chris? So we actually met in high school. Okay. And I heard that this could be edited. So I'm going to give you the real story. Yeah. That doesn't mean we're going to edit it out though. Oh, okay. <laughs> I met him in 11th grade. I think I'm pretty sure it was 11th grade. And, okay. and Chris loved everything Italian. So okay. I am an Italian woman and he decided that I was something to pursue. Right. He was pursuing many other people at the same time. So it didn't impress me at all. And Chris and I became friends. He was good friends with my best friend's brother. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of thrown into situations together where we would go skiing, stay places overnight as a bunch of kids hanging out. Right. But I didn't really see him as somebody I would date until we he was 26. Okay. And then we bumped into each other and the... Well, he'd become a man mm -hmm. and the army had done incredible things for him. And um, I found him quite irresistible, actually. I got to pull that thread a little bit. So was it the uniform <laughs> or was it what the army did to him? He wasn't in uniform, but, right. but that goofy guy I met in high school, he's still goofy. Don't get me wrong. But there was just a, an order and a calmness and an intelligence and a maturity that I hadn't seen. I was going to say a new maturity about him. A new maturity. Yes. <laughs> and um, he was now a man that was interesting, right? Not just a good looking guy, but now there was a lot, lot behind it. And um, yeah. I couldn't stop thinking about him until I dated him. Really? Okay, that's very good, man. Wow. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah, the rest is history. So, so Vanidra, babe, you've been a spouse for, for 34 years. Tell me, what's the significance of what an Army spouse does for, or any military spouse does for their family uh, while the, the service member continues to serve? Well, they oftentimes hold the family together. Yeah. And in a, in a way, when I say hold the family together or keep the family moving forward, so the service member can concentrate on his job. Yeah. So you handle the things on the home front. I often tell the young lieutenants or young soldiers that go ahead and give your spouse the checkbook because you, you won't know what's going on anyway after the, the first month or so. Would you agree with that, Chris? That's true, sir. We were just talking about this last night and, and how to message what has been successful for us as I get prepared for a third mobilization Yeah, is uh, making sure that your spouse has everything they need before you leave. And, yeah. and it starts with the bank accounts, yeah. but everything, handy men, things are taken care of, all those issues and all those contact people um, to really set them up for success. 
because trust me, Murphy will kick in. Always. Mm -hmm. As soon as you leave, Murphy will kick in. It happens. (laughs) So, Janet, we haven't talked about kids. So so how many kids do, do the Ellisons have? And we'll talk about ours. We are blessed with one 20 year old son. Okay. So we've got just a, a little pack, just a little one. All right. Yeah. What about our kiddos? So we have two. We have two daughters. Uh, one is an art director in uh, Austin, Texas. She lives in Austin. And then our youngest is in her third year of med school. So. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So. So whoever wants to jump in on this, so what would you say is the best part about being in the Army? Let's start with you first, Chris. I think uh, the brotherhood and camaraderie that one gets when they're in the military is, it's really hard to find out there besides uh, being in the Army. And uh, that has gone on for years. I grew up with that. My father was in the Navy, so I saw that for 20 years and then joined the military myself. So, And that continues on as a father um, with my son. Yeah, I took a break uh, once and it was really hard to find out in another organization besides the military. So I've really found a home there and uh, look forward to continuing service as long as I possibly can. And Gina, how about you? What would you say is the best part of being in the Army? And what's the most challenging part? Well, the best and the most challenging are two different things, right? I'm going to say best part is security. Right. The security of I'm going to give you two best parts, the security of, you know, a a state slash government job. Yeah. And on the personal side, knowing that my husband is really fighting for everything that I that we that that, uh, you know, us American people want and believe in. And that's our our personal freedoms, our our freedom to be safe on the street, our all of it. Right. So I'm I'm so proud of him for doing the service he does at the same time it gets really lonely as a wife yeah and i'm not sure uh what your life has been like with your husband here and there but mine has been gone a lot you know two deployments and his full-time job located outside of an area where we could live together, basically. I mean, California is a huge state. So him being stationed in Sacramento and me owning a company in Los Altos is not conducive to seeing each other every night. So for six to seven years, he lived up there and, and you know, would come home on the weekends. The challenging part of the Army is that it's sometimes being lonely. Yeah. How about you, Ben? That is true. It can be, but that's that's where I oftentimes took refuge in my army family, because oftentimes we are separated from our biological families. Yes. So your army friends, neighbors becomes your family. So. Right. So you moved around. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, you did. A little different than us. Yeah. Right. E- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've been lucky that we haven't moved around like that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I guess because when I, once I realized he was in the Army, because prior to that, I knew nothing, I knew <laughs> nothing about mm-hmm. the Army. So I didn't, I didn't, I had no expectations. I didn't know what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. So I, I just took it one day at a time. And I think I just kind of continued that throughout uh, his whole career. So with every move, with every deployment, it was a new adventure and 
What are we going to learn from this? Are you an AUSA premium or association member? Or are you the child or grandchild of one? If so, you may be eligible for one of AUSA's 40 national level scholarships. We're now accepting applications for over $300,000 in awards, which includes money for STEM programs, general studies, and even college debt relief. Applications are due May 31st, and you can find out more by visiting our website at ausa.org scholarships. Hey, Chris, give us some of your, your background deployments for COVID and other things that you've done in the last, last few years. Just quickly, the deployments two times to Afghanistan. Yeah. And uh, this final prep is going to be going to Kuwait, uh, Operation Spartan Shield as a division. So that'll be, that should be interesting. But I, I probably see the, the most interesting over the last three years has been working for the state and being in the division in California during all the operations from about 2020 to 2022. I was then ordered to be the deputy public affairs officer for the state right when COVID happened. And then if you remember, 2020 was full of uh, lots of other adventures and some um, challenges and yes. having to support law enforcement yeah. with National Guard to help uh, the authorities with possible protests, as well as firefighting in, in California was unbelievable over the last, those two years in 20 and 21. So Gina, with all those deployments that you experienced, how did you keep your relationship strong during those deployments and, and the separation that you have to deal with today? Ooh, that's a tough one, huh? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's tough that each deployment gets easier, right? So the first deployment, we had a young son and needed special education. Yeah. So it required a lot of extra time from me, which, you know, running two companies is difficult. So it was hard to stay close. I'm going to be honest with you. The first deployment was the hardest. We had limited time that we could talk. Uh, we could communicate better through email because of the time changes um, and really an overly, overly busy schedule for me with my son and the companies and family, all that type of thing. Yeah. So thankfully we had emails or there could be sometimes that we didn't have a lot of communication. So. Yeah. That was a tough one. <laughs> the second deployment was was much better. I had an older son, which made it a lot easier. And during the deployment, Chris was able to get some time off and we flew to Europe so we could meet up and not go a full year without seeing each other. You know, one week being in neutral territory and, and having some fun together meant the world to us. How about you, babe? What was, what was your toughest time during deployment? Well, the first deployment, his first deployment, we did not have children. That's where I sort of turned to uh, my Army family or friends that I had met. Keep in mind, at this point, I am a young captain's spouse. So mm -hmm. I was clueless. I mean, I, I didn't know what was going on. But like I said, we had met some friends where amongst that friend group was a major spouse. So she helped kind of guide me along. Guide everybody, yeah. Through a lot of that. 
next time he was deployed, we had two uh, children. Uh, I think Tori was a kindergartner at that point. And because she didn't see him every day, not only communication, it was email. And then the occasional VTC, video teleconference. And so we were finally able to do a VTC. And we were driving back home from this VTC. And I hear her in the background go, hmm, so dad's not dead. And (laughs) so at this point, I almost like run off the road because I'm like, wait, what? You know, and in her little mind, (laughs) it was a war. She hadn't seen him. So he was gone. Yes. And, you know, you hear you heard she was probably hearing all these little stories. And I think for her, it was sort of out of sight, out of mind. And I didn't even know she was even thinking that way. The little FaceTime paid wonders. Yeah, it kind of threw me for a loop there. So, yeah. But we survived. I'd like to circle back if we can. Gina, how about you? You mentioned that the first deployment that Chris had was the most difficult. What was the hardest moment? Well, it was the return. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole different animal. (laughs) The return was the hardest thing for me. Obviously, we've grown from it now, but Chris had started to micromanage um, a couple months before his return, the home front. And that didn't work out because I had been running the home front for a long time, even before the deployment. It got pretty hard because it felt that he was very disappointed in the way I was doing things. You had said something, Venidra, about your your daughter out of sight, out of mind. Well, our son was like that with Chris, and Chris thought it was a parenting issue from me, right? So there was some issues like that where can't you force our son to, to talk with me? No. Um, and it was just the return home. You know, I want this done. I want this done. By the time I get home, him not understanding that, you know, while he has had a very dangerous uh, situation, but kind of limited in where he was, I'm still out there in the vast world of running a company, running a home, visiting our families, raising a child, doing everything that has to be done. So, you know, Chris and I had had a, a let's say, a falling out via email at one point where I had invited him to find a new place to live on his return. I believe he ended up getting some counseling. Um, and a couple days later, I received the most incredible email from him. And it got us talking again. And of course, he came home and I was happy to see him. But he just had to kind of step back and learn to come back softly, come land at home, get your hugs and kisses, but see where we are as a family and then start taking over the things that make sense to take over again. Completely understand, because I think we had to have similar uh, conversations when he redeployed and uh, especially when the children are involved, because they were sort of like he would ask them to do something and they would sort of look at me like, should we do this? Mm -hmm. Who's this guy? So it was explaining to them that you know, dad's back now, you know, dad does have authority now. Authority. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit oh, as well. He has a little authority. Right. And I think even prior to that, he and I had a conversation because when he came back, I mean, I think I just kind of 
sort of nipped it in the bud and said, okay, let's get this straight. I've been doing this since you've been gone. We're all alive. The house is still standing. So you're going to have to ease yourself back Back into, yeah, yeah, you're still part of this family. You're still head of this family, but you got to ease yourself back into this family. So don't come barking orders, trying to tell everybody what to do. Exactly. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he, but he took it. He he, he took it. I know where my bread is buttered. So, (laughs) yes. So here's what I would ask. So Gina, with you first. What advice would you give to a young couple? Give me two things that you would say that they they should be thinking about now. I'm going to say what Chris had said. It's the support of making sure all the family documentation is together, which is vast, right? The legal, the banking, the contacts, passwords, passwords for Things like Netflix when you want to watch a movie and more complex items, right? Making sure all that is done. Okay. And Vinita, for you, what advice would you give a young couple that are about to start their, their life in the Army? I agree with all that Gina said. And the importance of getting to know your family, especially when deployments are involved, because really that's all you have unless you choose to return home to your family. Um, uh, And oftentimes I would tell spouses, you know, if this is not working for you, if you need more than what we can give you here, by all means, you know, go home. You know, if that's where you're most comfortable, yeah, yeah, go home. But um, young families, uh, you know, for spouses, I think just being you, Because I think if you are authentic to yourself, then you can be comfortable and adapt to any situation. That's good. That's my wife. Tough. That's good. One more (laughs) before we get started. Uh, Hey, Chris, what advice would you give to young couples knowing what you know now? I would say, you know, agreeing with uh, Vanidra and Gina. And I think Gina made a comment um, early on that first deployment saying, you know, Chris, you have to focus on one job. Mm -hmm. And I am here focusing on businesses, children, older parents, taxes, and everyday life. So have that trust in your spouse and work with them prior to going. Like Gina said, set everything up as much as humanly possible, but then have that trust. You chose that spouse. So have that trust. Don't have to be the micromanager. Don't have to be the decision maker on everything. If your spouse wants to change that carpet color, then she's at home running things and she gets that carpet color and you come home to a beautiful new carpet. So don't overthink things, sir. Yeah, that's good. Continue a happy life. And luckily we made it through that first deployment. Happy wife, happy life still applies. Roger that, sir. (laughs) Thanks to all of our guests today for joining us on Army Matters. Gina, thanks so much for coming. We look forward to having you back. Thank you. Chris, the same to you. Uh, We got to talk more about the Challenge Academy. There's so many other things that we need to talk about in the future. Thank you, sir, and your wife, Vanidra, very much. And we'll come out and see you in D.C. Oh, excellent. We'll be looking forward to it. Would love to have you. And thank you, dear, for uh, for doing this for us uh, on your lunch break. You're welcome. If you, like the Smiths and the Elsons, are looking for a time to meet up in Washington, March 22nd this year would be a good time to do so. 
The U.S. Army Women's Foundation will be hosting its 2023 Scholarship Awards and Hall of Fame ceremony that day at the National Museum of the United States Army. Featuring a keynote speech by Lieutenant General Douglas F. Stitt, the Army's Deputy Chief of Staff, G1, the ceremony will recognize some young, extraordinary Army women with the disbursement of scholarships, as well as induct six new members into the prestigious Hall of Fame. The awards take place at 2 p.m. on the 22nd. And if you're unable to attend in person, you can stream it live on the Foundation's Facebook page. For more information, visit awfdn.org. If you or your chapter would like to be profiled on the show, please email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Hua. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Army Matters is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission, educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and supporters of a strong national defense. Today's episode was hosted by Lieutenant General Retired Les Smith and anchor hosted by Carrie Viral Heckes. Anthony Dale Call is the producer and writer, and Andy Bosnack is the supervising sound editor. Unzinga Curry is the executive producer, and the senior producers are Carrie Viral Heckes and LaSharon Duncan. Special thanks to Lauren Hall and Terry Perriman for their help. Be sure to subscribe to Army Matters wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review. As you know, we love seeing stars in the Army, especially if it comes in the form of a five-star review. AUSA's Army Matters podcast primary purpose is to entertain. The podcast does not constitute advice or services. While guests are invited to listen, listeners, please note that you are not being provided professional advice from the podcast or the guests. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of AUSA. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. I'm Will Sharon Duncan. Hope you have a great Army day. Hua. Cool.